With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we conclude our 32 for 32 series with a look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, one hell of a regular season, 14 and 2. Only reason they had that second loss because they did not give a single shit in week 17. Go on the playoffs. We had the anything is possible win over the Browns. Dominant display over the Bills. Unfortunately, a 22 point loss to Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, in American football, only one team a year gets to call themselves champions. That was not the Chiefs in 2020, 2000. 21, but might just be next season because as long as you have the best player alive in Patrick Mahomes, you always have a chance to hoist that Lombardi trophy at the end of the season. But just like any team, there are plenty of holes that they can fill, upgrade throughout the offseason. I have a very special guest on today to try to help me figure out just exactly what those holes are. He is host of the program, and you can hear him on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Soren Petro, you can follow on Twitter at Soren Petro, S O R E N P E T R O. Soren, thanks for the time, man. Happy offseason. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, good to be with you. And uh, while it wasn't the final ending that everybody in Kansas City wanted, uh, this is a franchise that before 2019 had never had the Lamar Hunt trophy in their building. So I know it seems like, you know, when you've been to the Super Bowl, why would just uh, winning the AFC be something? But for this franchise, I mean, that was a drum I beat for a long time. How can you have the founder of the AFL, the man who the AFC trophy is named after, and it's never been in your building, and the Chiefs did get that for a second consecutive year. So uh, there, there is still, now that the, the, the initial licking of the wounds is over, I had appreciation for it was still a season, uh, a historic season for this franchise. The Chiefs can literally walk into 30 different NFL stadiums with their heads held high as the rightful champions. Unfortunately, if they got Tampa Bay, they might have someone to say something about that. So truly a great place, just not number one, unfortunately. That's right. That's right. Yeah, De- Devin White will always have something to say. It's, you know, <laughs> uh, should there be a rematch uh, next year, I, I, he will be a guy that will be a focal point. There's no doubt. Fingers crossed, man. That would be great. Well, everyone, as usual, uh, we're going to go through three team needs first. I'm going to hit Soren with some workload-related questions, and we'll close things out with a bold offseason take. We are recording this on March 9th. So, you know, got some crazy moves flying around here just for free agents to get starts, but tentatively hoping we'll be just fine by the time this gets published here at the end of the week. So, Soren, how do you start things off with your top three team needs for the Chiefs ahead of this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, as a team, right, uh, it, it's offensive line number one. I mean, I think some people joke around and say it's one, two, and three. I'm going to put it all on <laughs> the offensive line. It's tackle, it's guard, and it's center. If you look at what they have under contract right now, uh, you know, uh, they've got two hurt tackles. Both of them past 30 years old. Uh, Eric Fisher coming off an Achilles tendon and Mitchell Schwartz uh, coming off back surgery. Uh, The Chiefs say they'll both be ready uh, for camp, or at least Eric Fisher, mid-August. But that had everybody, I know when Brett Feach said that, uh, scratching their head saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, this is supposed to be a 9- to 12-month injury. That's six and a half months after surgery. And that seems like a very aggressive timeline. And I I think people are kind of left to speculate what was the point of that. I think maybe to sell other teams that they're not as desperate for offensive tackles as people might think. I think there are two big question marks with two big paydays at that offensive tackle spot. So that is number one. We saw what happened. The Chiefs did a great job of masking one tackle throughout the course of the year. But when it got to the Super Bowl and they lost the second one, it wasn't just – 
Eric Fisher means all that, although I believe they're 23 and one in their last two years when Eric Fisher plays. Uh, they are four and six, I think, when he doesn't. So, you know, that's the value of the left tackle spot for this team and with all the other problems, guards going down and everything else. Their center is a free agent. Their backup center is a free agent. The only center on the roster right now is Daryl Williams, an unsigned rookie free agent last year who was on the practice squad. Now, there's been some talk of Nick Allegretti who started at left guard moving over to center, which would obviously be a problem at left guard when you consider that the guy who was starting at right guard is coming back from a year off, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who opted out. That's some help that they can get uh, at guard. And Lucas Nyang, last year's third-round pick, is another guy that they projected to maybe be a guard when they had their two tackles healthy. Now, clearly, C point A, they have needs at tackle. They, he's probably going to have to fill one of those spots. Uh, and I think there's always a question with both those guys coming back. I mean, the pandemic is not over. Uh, we'll see where we're at. Do they opt out again? Does LDT, who went to fight the pandemic in yeah. Canada as a, as a medical doctor. And is Lucas Nyang comfortable with where we are? And, and does he come back? The Chiefs tell me, by all accounts, they think everybody, including Damian Williams, who opted out as well, are expected to be back. So those guys, those two will help on that offensive line. But Andrew Wiley's a restricted free agent as well, the starting right guard for most of last year. So they've got a lot to do on the offensive line. You can either call that one or tackle guard <laughs> center but that, that's a big one. Then I think, you know, they would love to add to the wide receiving core. And I think from a fantasy perspective, people are going to say that. And I know from listening to, you know, Eric Eager and George Sharuri on the PFF forecast and how they, you know, they, they're going to take wideouts with like picks two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. <laughs> Build those offenses up. <laughs> exactly. They, they always want the firepower. And I think there is a need, but, you know, we saw they had pretty good weapons out on the field against the Bucs. And if you can't keep your quarterback on his feet, that's a problem. So I think that gets pushed down. They're also optimistic about McCole Hardman taking a step uh, in this next season. So even though they lose Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson, I think you'd look at wideout and say that's number two. But in reality, I think the Chiefs will say defensive end is number two. They're going to lose Alex Okafor. They're going to lose uh, Tano Passanio, or at least they're free agents. They're going to have to go to work and negotiating a deal with them. Uh, Michael Dana played very well as a late-round pick rookie last year and stepped in. Kind of the guy to do all the dirty work, not get the flash and big sack totals, but be the guy that will run the schemes, run the stunts, stay home, set the edge. He did a really nice job and surprised a lot of people with that work. But I still think – Edge is a big, big need uh, for them. And then I think linebacker. You know, they really like Willie Gay Jr. They knew it was going to be a slow go for him. He was the one that was hurt the most by not being able to have a training camp. But they think he's going to fill that outside spot. And really, today, you almost only play with two linebackers. And they're so hard to find in college. I've talked to a lot of scouts. You know, everybody's in four wide and five wide. And linebackers are coming off the field. Finding real NFL linebackers is tough. But Anthony Hitchens has probably only got one more year for the Chiefs at the middle linebacker. So I think middle linebacker is a spot that they need to address. Could be something that could help this year, but definitely over the horizon. So I think the Chiefs will look at their board and they will say offensive line first and foremost, uh, edge on the defensive line second, uh, linebacker third. Uh, but I think wide receiver is a spot that with this great wide receiver class, if there's some depth that's there and they look around and they say, all right, we did a pretty good job getting some street free agents to fill some of these other spots. And this is a guy we can't pass on. Uh, Brett Beach and Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes chirping from the background. <laughs> I, I think wide receiver is always a wild card for them as we get towards the draft. It's And look, all due respect to Sammy Watkins, some of the things he pulled off in the playoffs. He had those week one uh, blow performances that, you know, fantasy managers usually had him on the bench. We can at least appreciate the numbers uh, right. he put up. I mean, 
not a bust by any stretch, but the amount of money they paid him, you know, that original deal, something like, uh, I think it was like 16 million per year or something like that. Yep. Like that was a hell of a lot of money and they didn't exactly get that and through injuries and many of other reasons. They didn't get that consistent high end producer. It's scary to think what this offense could be like if they hadn't of, you know, quote unquote, bossed that signing, or at least I got in a healthier, more consistent version of Sammy. I'm happy to hear, I'm happy to hear you say that they have higher expectations from me, Cole Hartman in year three. A lot of people forget. I mean, this guy didn't start playing wide receiver until halfway his career at Georgia. I know sometimes when he's out there, he looks like, uh, you know, I don't want to say a one-trick pony, but some more of like a gadget guy that you need to kind of design the right. ball to be less like a pure wide receiver. It sounds like they're confident as he continues to learn the position. You know, he's not going to become Tyree Kill because there's only one freaking Tyree Kill in the league. But at a right. minimum, we can expect him to be in two wide receiver, three wide receiver sets or more consistency moving forward. Yeah, I, I think the focal point it will be for him to be the number two wide receiver. Right. And I, and I think Tyreek awesome. Hill will be number one and he'll bump up to that number two spot. They do like Byron Pringle as well. And if you go into deeper leagues like my dynasty league, you know, we, we roster, what is it? Tw- uh, 27 plus injuries. You know, you can get up nice. to where you have 32, 34 guys. We start three to five wide receivers. So if you're in one of those deeper leagues and, in, in, you know, a dynasty league, then Byron Pringle is a guy to have your ha- have your eye on. Probably somebody's rostered him here or there at times uh, in your league. But uh, he's a guy that's going to bump up as well. When I talk to the guys, uh, about the wide receiving core, you know, they said, you know, they immediately went to McCole Harmon and talked about they think he's going to have a big year and going to have a breakout year. Um, now, I'll come back to that in a second. Maybe a reason why, you know, could that be lip service more than than real uh, validation ultimately? But they they said Byron Pringle is just so steady. And, and so they really like what he gives them. They know what he gives them. He's, he's really – he becomes by far the most physical receiver, right? Sammy Watkins, there was an amazing stat going into, it didn't hold up in, in 2020, but going into 20, they averaged almost a yard per carry more when Sammy Watkins was on the field than when he wasn't. Wow. You know, he's an underrated blocker. He's physical. He is the kind of wide receiver. They don't really have that 6'4", you know, small forward that can post guys up in the end zone. But if they, the closest thing they had to it, a guy who maybe could go beat some hand fighting and wrestle his way open in the end zone was Sammy Watkins. And, you know, he was good after the catch. Uh, and Byron Pringle, I think, will assume that role. Now, not necessarily as the number two wide receiver, but that physical. He is a strong guy. And, and again, like all Chiefs wide receivers, there's good top end speed there. So I think Pringle is probably the diamond in the rough. If anyone's going to shock and surprise, it'll be Byron Pringle, who was undrafted out of Kansas State, junior college kid. It's like 25 or six when he finally got to the Chiefs. So, I mean, it's his time right now to try to make it happen. But they've had him around for a while and they do like him. But to your point, Hardman. And, and kind of package Sammy Watkins together. They're both kind of these, you know, enigmas, right? Are they successes or failures? Like you mentioned Sammy Watkins. From a what did you get total yards, touchdowns for $48 million, or they cut his pay by seven, so $41 million over three years, not enough to justify that contract. Right. But he is one, and this is something maybe to look at for some of the teams with young quarterbacks. The one thing they did, I think Sammy Watkins was one – you know, I believe, you know, not, not to go too far off the field, but uh, Tyreek Hill's significant other came back into his life, uh, came back into the picture, the, the mother of his child. And there would ultimately, we know what ultimately mm-hmm. ended up taking place in that situation. And I think that sent up a red flag and the chief said, wait a minute. I mean, this was a volatile relationship back in Oklahoma. What do we got here? And Sammy Watkins was brought in. I think they overpaid to have an emergency. We need a guy who can take the top off the defense mm. receiver. I think that's part of how he got here. I think the other thought was, you know, if everything works out, we have all our guys. We have this young quarterback that we've invested a lot in, right? It doesn't seem like much 
to give up number 27 in next year's first and a third round pick to go get Patrick Mahomes now. It's a eh, no-brainer. <laughs> right? But he went 10th for a reason. There were people that said he's going to be a turnover machine. His footwork's terrible. You know, that, that offense doesn't work in the NFL. So it was a bolder move than I think the history will remember it as because he's been so successful. And I think part of what they said was, let's give him every weapon possible. Like, we have to get the quarterback right. Let's overpay on the offensive side. We'll sacrifice the defense, and let's give him every weapon to grow him. Let's let's take no ceiling away from this kid. Let's let him reach for the stars. And, of course, that first year, 5,050, he did it. And that's a confidence, you know, can you – can you do a double dot? Can you do a double flip off the high dive? I don't know until I've done it. But once I've done it, I might not get it the next two, three, four, five times, but I know I can do it. So he knows he can throw 5,000. He knows he can go for 50. And that confidence, I think, was big. So Watkins played that role. And you mentioned he came up big in the playoffs and in the run and in the Super Bowl and in, in the 19 Super Bowl. So he'll always that, – that, that contract gets a pass from Chiefs fans, even though monetarily you didn't see the production. So there's this kind of weird, like, yes, overpaid, but came through when we needed it. <laughs> did what we needed him to do. Well, when McCole Hardman, you know, you get a bottom of the second round wide receiver who has seven touchdowns in his rookie season, has, you know, four or five plays of over 50 yards for touchdowns, has a rush for over 50 yards for a touchdown, you know, completes this dynamic offense and gives you yet another weapon. You go, that's a success. It's when you scroll down a few more names and go, oh, DK Metcalf was there. You know, nobody says J.J. Arcega Whiteside went next and they didn't make that mistake, right? <laughs> They scroll on down. DK Metcalf went a few picks later. And so every wide out in front of DK Metcalf, all the way up to at least Nikhil Harry, is considered a bust. And so he's not a bust. He hasn't been what you'd want him to be. He hasn't delivered on the flashes. They feel like he's going to be that, that he's still going to be. Now, is he going to be DK Metcalf? No. But could he be, um, you know, Deshaun Jackson? You know, that's, that's I think, more kind of a, a, a what they would hope for. You know, 1,100 yards, but with 17, 18 yards per catch, eight touchdowns, most of them of the long variety, be a threat on those end arounds that the Chiefs love to run. And, and I think that's a possibility with Tyreek Hill on the other side. So, it, you know, is it lip service because they know DK Metcalf they passed on and they should have taken him like everybody else? Uh, is it is it hope more than belief? I think there's probably a little bit of both in there, but he's certainly going to get the opportunities, which is one of the things we're all looking for in fantasy football. I mean, there are 31 teams other than the Seahawks, including the Seahawks. All 32 teams wish they had DK Metcalf on their roster. Credit the Seahawks for not passing on him more than one time. But yes, no, it's a very good point with Meikle. But literally, you throw the ball at the guy and good things happen. Only Justin Jefferson and A.J. Brown have averaged more yards per target than Meikle over the past two seasons. It's a low target qualifier. I'm not saying Meikle right. is as good as those guys. But again, it's, we just don't have these big examples of them, you know, feeding him opportunities and not much happening with those plays. So great to hear you should get more run here in 2021 one thing to your point one of the things that was said to me is when you feel like you're only going to get two balls thrown your way in a game because of how the game plan set up and you drop the first one it's really tough to have a big day you start trying to have that big day all at once and i think that's a great point i mean i think that the, the fact that he should be now factored into five six seven touches I, I think maybe calms him down maybe makes him a little bit more efficient he's got to refine his route running there's still plenty of work to, to and to your point there's reason to believe he will because he's fairly new to the position it's just i mean when you have two guys as fast as him and tyreek on the field I and mean, we talk about speed kills but like, there's this play against the browns i think it was the first drive it was like fourth and one maybe third and one near the goal line and they have 
Miko flying across, you know, the field, potential pop pass. He flies. And then we got Tyreek in the backfield who ends up taking a sweep the other way. And it's like, you got two of the fastest guys in the NFL going in opposite directions. How are the Browns even supposed to deal with that? Of course they couldn't. And I'm imagining again with another offseason, with hopefully uh, more full-time role, more motivated Miko, we see the best of him yet. Now it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, that you did not expect Sammy Watkins to be back with the Chiefs. If you could clarify that. And then also Demarcus Robinson, who is all, it was an unrestricted free agent as well. Yeah, I, I, you know, Sammy Watkins, I think they've, they've kind of gone as far as they can go. And, and I think really for a lot of the Chiefs veterans on both sides of the ball, they would love to have just about all of them back, but they're going to have to come back on league minimum or slightly above league minimums. There's one or two guys here and there, but you know, Damian Wilson at linebacker, Daniel Sorensen at safety, who's done a great job basically being a dime linebacker uh, for, for the Chiefs and kind of played all over as a Swiss Army knife and completed that secondary, which was amazingly good with a lot of corners that were not highly invested in, but played very well. Their secondary was really one of the strengths of the team. But there are a lot of guys that I think they'd like to have back, but they kind of set, you know, made their plan last year, and that was – you know, the run it back tour, bring everybody back, including Chris Jones, including extending Travis Kelsey, getting Patrick Mahomes signed. And when they did that, they went to what I call a stars and Jags approach. I mean, you can have four or five guys that are up at the highest paid of their position. Anthony Hitchens is up there. Frank Clark is a 20 plus million dollar defensive lineman. Chris Jones now 20 plus million dollar defensive lineman. Mitchell Schwartz is 14 million at one tackle, 16 million at the other for Eric Fisher. You know, that's a lot of money. They've got all these guys that are paid. Well, that means you've got to make it go with league minimum and, and first-year contracts, right? That's where it's going to have to happen. And I think now a lot of those guys that are ready to get paid, you know, they've cycled off and there are built-in raises for all those stars that mean that they've got to they've got to find cheaper options. And so Watkins, I think the expectation is he'll find a better deal. I mean, I think the Chiefs will be offering one for a couple of million with maybe some incentives that they could kick over to next year. But they've got even more cap coming next year. They're anticipating the TV deal raising the cap. Um, but they've already spent it. You know, it, it's it's they're they're in a win now mode, but can't really add much to it. Although we'll get to our our bold prediction. I'll give you one that that Ooh. might be uh, one that would shock some people. But you know, I, I do think that Watkins is just going to be too much. Somebody will take a shot on the up end. Those big games that he has every now and then, and say, well, maybe we can unlock the potential. Why you would think that after Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid couldn't get the consistency out of it? You know, good luck with it. But I, I think he moves on. Demarcus Robinson, I think, could be brought back. He was on the free agent market last year, didn't get what he wanted to get out of it, thought he would be offered a starting job somewhere, came back to the Chiefs. They did spend a little over $2 million on him, but they used their cap exemption to cut that by over a million dollars. I think a league minimum, if nobody's interested in Demarcus Robinson, I think the Chiefs would like him back, maybe a little bit more than the league minimum. Uh, but they're not going to break the bank. If somebody says, hey, this is a guy that can be our number two, he's going to be there because the, the money differential will just be too big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get your opportunity at a $1,000 deposit bonus. That's promo code PFF for new customers to get an opportunity at a $1,000 deposit bonus only at DraftKings Sportsbook. It must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. 
PFF and Sunday Night Football as Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversations and sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. And now back to the podcast. Definitely going to be an underrated storyline to watch out for. We, we can all expect Miko, you know, to get more opportunities, but we'll all feel a lot better about it if Watkins and Robinson are taking their talents elsewhere for sure. And credit to Sammy Watkins. I mean, the guy hasn't turned 28 years old until uh, June 14th. Feels like he's been in the league forever at this point, but hopefully he still has plenty of good years ahead. Great stuff, Soren. Again, there's other team needs. We're offensive line and uh, looking at edge, and we could also use a little bit of help at linebacker as well. To your point, when you kind of have this stars and jags approach, which I, I like that terminology there, uh, you do kind of need to have uh, just these you know needs elsewhere but again when you have Patrick Mahomes under center you're betting on the stars you know carrying the squad and I think that's a pretty good bet to make based on their success over the past three years great stuff again everyone we're recording this on March 9th so now for these next few questions Soren cannot predict the future but we're asking him to do his best as things stand right now and first thing I want to look at this running back room because you said that Damian Williams is expected to opt back in next year Clyde Ebersolaire was someone that disappointed a lot of fantasy football managers I tried to stick up for him the best I could there was this you know no. Well, he started the year like 0 for 6 on carries inside the five-yard line, but you look at those carries and like short of Reggie Bush flying over, you know, 20 guys, I don't think anyone was going to score. Uh, you had the issues where he just, you know, wasn't ripping off huge runs, but if you look at the broken tackle metrics, he was doing well. Right. He played well. He just didn't have the massive counting numbers that a lot of people draft him in the first round to ultimately put up. With that said, now Damian Williams, two touchdowns, Super Bowl hero, obviously been very consistent in his time with the Chiefs. He's back. Do you expect this to be a fairly split two-back committee or do you see one of these between Clyde and Damian having the early lead? You know, running backs don't stay healthy. And, and so, it, you know, handcuffs would be a good idea with, with these two because I think there's a good chance that one of them will be the guy on a, on a given day. You know, Daryl Williams factors in there as well. And I think one of the things that could happen, you know, Daryl Williams is a much more limited runner. I heard uh, Eric Eager uh, say, uh, you know, he loves running backs with, uh, with, with, how did he put it, with an ego problem or, or with a – with a, well, with a self-esteem problem. And his point was, if you, you know, don't think you're a superstar and you think you've got to do all the little things just to stay on the team, you make yourself a better, more productive running back. And I thought that was a great theory. And Daryl Williams, he said, you know, it's probably not the nicest way to put it, but, but it, it makes the point, right? And Daryl Williams did that. He picks up the blitz. He catches the football when it's thrown to him. You have to be able to catch the ball in, in Andy Reid's system. Uh, and he gets what you give him plus a little bit more. He puts his head down and, and he gets tough yardage. Uh, but he never never you know messes around losing four yards when he could have had two. And I think he's steady Eddie there. And so that was a, a dangerous combination to have with a rookie running back that you know is learning blitz pickup from the NFL level. And that's always going to hinder him learning a pretty complicated passing offense. He did a great job catching the ball at LSU. And, and there were some interest, intricacies to it. And, and I think it's fair to say Clyde Edwards-Hilaire probably disappointed most everybody. I don't know that he disappointed the Chiefs because do you want to take the ball out of Tyree Kill's hand? Do you want to take the ball out of Travis Kelsey's hand? You know, there is only one football, right? So, you know, there's that whole dynamic. And I think really hindsight being 2020, there should have been a lot more Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the Super Bowl because when your offensive line isn't good enough, grind out some yards. You know, inside the goal line, the Chiefs don't build an offensive line to to uh, get, you know, third and goal from the one. That's not what they do. They really put four tackles. And at times when Mitch Morse was their center, Mitch Morse was a 6'5 center. 
Andy Reid puts tackles on the field to pass protect. He's going to throw the ball. He believes in and was one of the first to believe in throw to win, run when you're winning, right? And so I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire has a place in that. I think he will grow, and I think in the second year he'll be more ready. But then, as you mentioned, now here comes back Damian Williams. He's ready to do more. I think he's skilled enough to have a better year. And I think you're right. The, ta- the missed tackle numbers, he covered up and was probably a reason why people betting the Chiefs lost because he covered up how bad the offensive line was at times. And he would make guys miss in the backfield, still get three or four yards. And you think, oh, this offensive line is fine. When in reality, a combination of Travis Kelsey's and Tyreek Hill's and Patrick Mahomes and Clyde Edwards-Alaire's making exceptional plays covered up the inefficiencies of that offensive line. And so if they can make the line better, that would help. Damian Williams will not help. He will hurt if he's back. But I think big picture, again, go to the dynasty side of things. He is the future. And if it's not the future as the number one this year, it is in 22. Damian Williams, they have factored in under the cap. And I'd give it an outside shot that Damian Williams ends up getting cut. The Chiefs still have that opportunity to do it. There's no loss on the dollars. I think they'll want Damian Williams. But let's see what else becomes available. And if they do say, okay, we need to clear some money out because we've got this one guy or two or three guys at a more needed position that we can go get. We can make it go with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Daryl Williams, and we'll go find some rookies some undrafted running backs that we can make it fit. You know, Spencer Ware has never done anything in the NFL. He didn't do anything with the Seattle Seahawks, was released. Didn't do anything when the Colts signed him, by the way, to a, a guy that came from the Chiefs organization who re-signed Spencer Ware. Mm-hmm. He only did something, and for, what, five weeks was one of the top running backs in the NFL several years ago because he was in the Andy Reid offense. Andy Reid can make a lot of running backs look really good. <laughs> so if Damian Williams is back, it's a tough you know, tough thing to figure out where all the carries and touches are going to go. But I still think there's an outside chance that he won't be back because the Chiefs say Andy can work his magic with just about any running back. I mean, you know, Spencer Ware was a guy that was literally grabbed off the streets and thrown onto the practice squad, and he ended up making him look good. So the running back, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the guy they're invested in. He is the long-term answer. You may end up having to be patient for a year before that gets delivered, or you get him much cheaper this year than he went for last year, and you get a real bargain on your hands. He definitely looks like a good dynasty by low because your point, I mean, his value is only going to be going up after maybe, you know, a little rough stretch this year, but 2022 and beyond should only be nothing but good things. And yeah, last year, you know, pretty annoying committee throughout the season. Le'Veon Bell stuck his head in there and all that going on. But just look back at Andy Reid's coaching career. You're going to see Brian Westbrook tearing up the league, LaShawn McCoy and like, look, you only have to go back to last April to find, you know, uh, Andy Reid comparing Clyde Edwards-Lair to Brian Westbrook. So I know it hasn't gone quite that swimmingly just yet, everyone. But if Damian Williams is eventually gone, if not this year, next year, things will be looking better. But, yeah, man, might be one of these situations where we got to treat, uh, you know, at least in redraft leagues, Clyde more of a lower-end RB2 uh, this time around because it looks like that kind of featured role we're always hoping for might not be there in his past-heavy offense. Obviously a great real-life problem for the Chiefs, but us fantasy right. managers, we're just looking for that volume any way we can find it. Awesome, man. We've talked a lot about these receivers already. I want to finish things off though before we get your bull call with a look at Travis Kelsey. I mean, is this dude ever going to age? He turns 32 in October. I'm not saying that I expected a huge drop off, but you know, the stats, well, he's 144 days younger than Gronk. We saw Zach Ertz fall off a cliff last year. It's just such a demanding position. And I mean, looking at Kelsey, he's going to age fantastically because he's playing with Patrick Mahomes who wouldn't, but his yak looked as good as ever last year. I mean, like, this is ridiculous. Do you ever see Kelsey taking a, st- I mean, okay. Well, at some point, anytime soon, right. do you see Kelsey taking a step back? Cause I mean, like, I feel like he just played his best football of his career. He was putting Denzel freaking Ward in a pretzel in the playoffs. Like I, no one can guard this guy. It seems like he's only getting better. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm rambling here. I'm just still incredulous, incredulous at how this is happening here. I mean, I, I the time. are you going to catch this guy? 
Yeah, the rambling is warranted, right? Because <laughs> he's doing some amazing things. Set a record for yardage uh, in a season by a tight end. Was chasing being the first tight end ever to lead the league in receiving yardage. Uh, he's added the touchdowns to his game. And you mentioned the yak. I'm glad you did because what he really – what happened last year was – and maybe it was him seeing I'm not quite the athlete I was. And he ditched the trying to cut back – and go back two yards to try to get five and think that he was as elusive as a wide receiver. And he started catching the ball and going upfield like he was a tight end. And whether that's just coaching, like, listen, Travis, I know you're athletic, but you're not that athletic. You're not Tyree Kill, so stop trying to do that after you catch the ball. There were times he'd catch it and lose two or three yards. Now he catches it and he knows, hey, I got one move and I got to get upfield. And, you know, he may not, you know, get out in the open field and maybe somewhere he might sacrifice one big catch, but he consistently gets more out of every reception now than he ever has. And that was something that was very noticeable last year. And I would certainly expect it to continue this year. It, it, it worked for him. Why would he fix what's not broken? So uh, I do think he'll continue to be that kind of guy. And, you know, they line him up. It's great that we as fantasy players get to use him as a tight end because they line him up in the slot as a wide receiver so much when they're throwing the football really he's detached from the line and i think by being detached from the line and by the quantity of throws that the chiefs have had he hasn't been in the trenches he hasn't gotten rolled up on he hasn't you know had 300 plus pound guys falling on him all the time after you know he goes down on a block or something or the running back plowing into the back of him and and those kind of things that wear and tear adds up so i think he's worn more like a whiteout, which is amazing because a lot of people will forget that he missed his entire rookie season and had microfracture surgery on his knee. Now, maybe that'll raise it, you know, rear up here later on that, you know, he's been brilliant and, and that knee will start barking at him at some point. Uh, you know, he's had some little cleanup procedures at the end of years. That's the other thing you love about him. He plays hurt, right? You know, he, he, there have been a number of years where it's like, well, he had this surgery or that surgery. And, and, you know, you didn't know it by, by the way he was playing on the field. So he is tough. He's not going to go down with any hangnail that comes around. And so that's a good thing for you. But no, I don't see why he would slow down now because I think he is adapting and evolving, you know, as, a, as an NBA player that threw down the dunks begins to drift out to shoot the threes. I think you're seeing Travis Kelsey do that. He knows what it is. And I think Andy Reid knows how to handle him. So, look, I think there's a buyer beware on all Chiefs. I think they're all maybe a little bit inflated. Um, you know, I, I think if you're in auction leagues, you know, maybe there's a way to handle that better. You know, maybe they come down price wise after the bidding has been overblown on Tyree kill. Then you get bargains on some of the chiefs, other guys, um, you know, so I would always be aware, but the one thing, if you do overpay for a chief, you know, the ball's going to be in the air, you know, the offense is going to push the ball down the field. They're going to be aggressive because that's what Andy Reed does. So if you draft a few picks higher or you pay a few bucks more for a chief, you know, you have an offense that's committed uh, to getting the ball down the field and, and, and an offense that frankly is going to have a defense that has a lot to replace on its front seven next year. So if the defense takes a spot back, they maybe revert more to looking like 2018 where they had to win more shootouts. You know, the defense played so much better the last two years that that really brought down some of those offensive numbers. If it has to take a step back to take two steps forward, yeah. then next year could be a little bit more of a shootout year for this Chiefs offense as well. Yeah, I mean, okay, you can say Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, that they're inflated because they're each going to be, I mean, probably, you know, one Hill is going to be top three and Kelsey's obviously number one tight end, but for good reason. They've done nothing except ball the hell out over the past few years. Kelsey, five years running as fantasy's number one overall tight end. But you brought up a great point. Like, he is, I mean, he spent 55% of his snaps last year in the slot or out wide. I mean, 
But the thing is, I hear people, they go, oh, Travis Kelsey's a, a wide receiver, like trying to call him soft. If you want to try to, you know, insult Travis Kelsey, call him a wide receiver, I think all you're doing is saying that he's underpaid because his contract right now, for him to be making less than $15 million per year, man, you see why Jimmy Graham back in, you know, 2012, 2013 was fighting to be franchise tagged as a wide receiver, not a tight end. I feel like Kelsey's going underpaid, man. I know they gave him that contract extension recently, so I guess he's happy with it. But for Watkins' original deal to land him more dollars per year than Kelsey, I just think it kind of speaks to tight end just kind of not being priced properly in the context of real life football and honestly fantasy as well. So, you know, we can maybe say they're inflated, but honestly, the more we look at it, Travis Kelsey might need to be a top five, top six overall fantasy selection in drafts this coming year because when you look at the difference between him and the next closest tight end, it's not even close because he's truly playing a different position than almost everyone, yeah. every other tight end in the league. He and George Kittle, right? Yeah. After that, who are you who are you looking to grab? If you Darren Waller is at the bottom of that tier. He's yeah, that's right. I should probably add him too. Yeah. After those three, yeah. if you don't get Huge drop three, off. <laughs> yeah, you're waiting and you're like, okay, I'll, I'll take whoever's at the bottom because the at that point the, the fourth tight end is is maybe no better than the twenty-fourth tight end. So what's the point? So those three do really stand out. You know, for fantasy baseball, they're hitting catchers. You know, they're, they're, you know, get, getting production for the Mike Piazza behind the dish. Yeah. Oh, wow. You get that guy, you know, your offense is so much better. You get one of these tight ends. Uh, it gets so much easier to, to, you know, get those, those numbers uh, and, and win some games in your fantasy leagues. Absolutely. And these tight ends, like again, Waller, Kelsey, Kittle. Those are our really only, maybe Hawkinson gets there, but those are the only three guys we know that are the number one receivers on their team, even if they aren't technically called a wide receiver. So even if you happen to stumble upon a great late round tight end too, throw Kelsey in the flex. The dude almost led the league in receiving yards last year. Who cares what his positional de designation is? Soren, fantastic stuff. You teased it earlier. Let's hear your bold offseason call for the Chiefs. So I, I think there's a chance that the Chiefs go get Trent Williams. And, and this is one that would look like it's out of their price point. They've got about when you put in their draft and you convert all of their roster bonuses to signing bonuses, which was the plan with, with Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey's contracts. They all have roster bonuses that can be converted to signing bonus, which means they can now push that out over the remaining years of the contract and bring that number down. They'll bring that down. That brings them down about $40 million throw in their draft, they get to around five or $6 million under. So they would seemingly not have the money to go after a Trent Williams. But if they cut both their tackles, that's another $15 million. I mentioned Lucas Yang, the third round pick from last year, who was coming off a hip injury. And I talked to one personnel guy in the league, not with the Chiefs, that said, we had him graded as a first rounder, but we didn't want to mess with the injury. So if he would be a first round tackle, that's one answer. Uh, but Andy Reid has always had good tackles. He traded for Jason Peters when he was with the Eagles. He drafted Eric Fisher with his first pick to make sure he was there. And if they are not convinced that they're going to have somebody, had Trent Williams, who was the highest graded offensive tackle in football last year, would be a guy that would be worthwhile. I think you also want to avoid the Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, the angry franchise quarterback is not something you want. And Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have a brilliant relationship. And everybody in Kansas City will tell me when I bring this up on the radio, what are you talking about? He loves it here. Oh, everybody loves it when they just got paid. Deshaun Watson <laughs> loved it in Houston for about a year. And then he won it out. I think getting that left tackle and telling Patrick Mahomes, we're going to protect you and we've got an investment in another high, you know, or a highly thought of tackle on the other side, I think would be good business. I think the Chiefs know 
you know, you win with offense, right? You, you finish games, you know, hopefully with defense, but you're going to win with offense. There's going to be too many times you have the ball down a handful of points in a minute and a half to go. And if you can go down and score, the other team has no chance to win. Too many games end that way. I think the Chiefs know it. And I think if they're going to shock somebody, it would be to go out and get Trent Williams. I think there's a limit to how far they can go. But he's 32 years old. And I think a lot of people might say, well, it's a three-year deal. It's, a, you know, whatever it is, the Chiefs, I think, could be a, a surprise contender to get Trent Williams. Uh, and, and I think maybe Moten from Carolina, they would be in that mix. But after that, I think they, they try to figure things out in-house, probably drafting an offensive tackle and knowing Brett Beach probably moving up in the first round to draft an offensive tackle since in three drafts he has never moved down uh, and knowing that that is a major priority for the Chiefs. But I, I think people could be surprised. Trent Williams' name isn't really being associated with the Chiefs. But I think they'll take a run at him, and if the market just grows too high, they'll bail out. But they could be – I think their swing will be a pretty good swing at him. Love that call. Yeah, let's at least try to keep Mahomes happy because that's the one kind of annoying part with the whole Russell Wilson saga because I think a lot of people have looked at Russ who, you know – when you can create the sort of magic that him, Mahomes, Watson can, yeah, they will take an unnecessary sack from time to time because look at what happens sometimes when they are able to avoid that sack. But you just look at the Seahawks spending on the offensive line. They've been ranking towards the bottom of the league ever since Russ really started to get paid. So, yes, invested resources in the offensive line. And even if, I mean, I, I don't, I, it's not fair to say that, you know, the Buccaneers showed some fatal flaw to Mahomes. I mean, even with him under all stores of pressure for the entire Super Bowl, you know, we had arguably two drop touchdowns and another longer one to yeah. Kelsey that he couldn't hold on to as well but yes just because Mahomes Russ Watson these quarterbacks are capable of you know pulling the rabbit out of their hat on occasion doesn't mean that they can't also invest some resources up front so that would be fantastic to see yeah when you invest in those quarterbacks don't you want to give them every opportunity to succeed right you know, why, why would you buy a Ferrari and put a governor on it at 55 miles an hour right like you know that what was the point of getting the Ferrari you you've got to let it get out on the highway and go right so I, I think I think the Chiefs understand that you know they've got an offensive minded head coach and Andy Reid is always going to look to score points and, and like I said 2018 their defense was 31 in the league terrible and they were one offsides call away from playing for the championship so uh, you're not going to overcome a bad offense see what the Chiefs offense ended up being with their offensive line decimated in the Super Bowl nine points that can't be overcome you're not going to win a Super Bowl nine seven against anybody so you've got to make sure that you can put points on the board because you might be able to win one uh, 34 31 37 34. I don't want to hurt Chiefs fans too much, but quickly on that D4's offside call, I didn't realize, shout out to Sam Schwartzstein, who a long time ago, not that long ago, helped create the XFL rules, but former Stanford offensive lineman, he pointed out when D4 lined up offsides, if you look at the left tackle, the left tackle was arguably off the line in the offense's backfield. So D4 was kind of just lining up regularly and you could even, so yeah, sorry, sorry to, <laughs> sorry to remind everyone of that. But I mean, D4 actually is probably getting the wrong, you know, end of history here when you look at who he was lining up against. But that's a story for another day. Soren, fantastic stuff. Thank you again for the time. Everyone can follow you on Twitter at Soren Petro. We'll let people know where they can hear you and what you got on the agenda for the offseason. Yeah, we're, we're talking Chiefs football, you know, all year, all offseason. And I think this, uh, you know, the, the draft is always giant. Uh, the free agent moves are always giant. And as you mentioned, we're taping here on the ninth. We got the cap day uh, or a, a franchise tag day. So uh, there, there's always football. Football is a 365 sport. We'll be talking about it. You can uh, hear us uh, 810WHB.com is where the uh, stream comes in. And follow me on Twitter at Soren Petro, S-O-R-E-N-P-E-T-R-O. 
fantastic stuff and 100 agree football all day every day we don't have time for these other ridiculous sports get out of here everyone <laughs> he's soaring at me and this has been the pff fantasy football podcast thank you so much everyone for those of you that have been tuning in throughout the 32 for 32 series we're gonna be back to more regularly uh you know just twice or thrice uh, weekly shows here moving forward ahead uh, of free agency. We're going to have Monday, Wednesday, and Friday shows. I'll be sure to shoot those out on my Twitter then. But until then, take care, everybody.